0: That's a hockey. You know, it's only it's only game. Young men expressing themselves for joy. So, why have you have to be mad? These guys, are jerks. It's only game. It's a cheap, dirty game. It's only game.
1: Why have you have to be mad? Hello, CookUpful fans, and welcome to episode one of the 2021 season of Mark Callinan's Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League Stat Attack podcast, presented by jnsoftware.ca, powered by Kevin E. Bear. I'm your host, John Newhold. Thank you for joining us. Last week in the CookUpful, half the teams won and the other half lost. Let's find out why. Today on the show, we'll be taking a first look at Tier 1 and who's in the pole position out of the gate to become the ultimate fantasy hockey champion. Some big trades have already taken place in Tier 1, so we'll take a close look at how those came about with insight from the managers themselves. Next, we'll spend a short time examining one of the features of the recently announced kakupful.com website. Then, Mark has a fascinating interview with fast-track leader Jeremy Versillo, getting his perspective on fantasy strategy. After that, We'll dive into the stat attack deep end with details on players, including naming the fantasy team of the week, and checking out the big ads, drops, and bids in Transaction Junction. We'll finish off the show with Manager's Corner, where we'll review the Fast Track leaderboard, the Manager of the Week, and the Matchup of the Week. First up, let's look into Tier 1 and the chase for the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey Championship. In first place are Jeff and Dustin, currently the only teams at 2-0. The closest matchup in Tier 1 last week was Elon and Dustin. Dustin won 212.9 to 211. Elon was hindered by a suspended Fiala and Zubinajad’s continued weak fantasy performance. Dustin was buoyed by 24 cacupful points from Gurianov and a similar amount from Patrice Bergeron. It all came down to the last day. Elon came into the day up by 2.25 points, but only had six players playing Sunday to Dustin's nine. The good news for Elon was neither Varlamov nor Hart started for Dustin, and Elon got a solid 5.1 cacouple points from James Reimer. While none of their players had big days, Dustin's extra games and peripherals ground out a win with 16 hits to Elon's 3 and 9 blocks to Elon's 2 to give him the 1.9 point win for the week. Tier 1's most statistically unlikely team is Mark of Phoenix Park Deer. His 707.95 points is the most in Tier 1, yet he only has a 1 1 record, having suffered a 250 to 245.4 loss this week to Joe. There have been three trades so far in Tier 1. First, let's examine Mantha Burakovsky and $8 worth of fab being sent to Ben in exchange for Davey receiving Monaghan. The seeds for this trade were sown when Dave realized after he drafted Mantha that it was a pretty bad idea to have two Red Wing forwards. Watching their games, he felt Mantha was just along for the ride rather than driving play. After Mantha's third game, in which he got a point only because he randomly threw a shot on net and Bobby Ryan tackled the goalie, Dave felt Mantha's production would be fleeting and he was in for a bad year. Separately, Ben noticed Dave had posted previously about wanting to swap one of his wingers for a center. Here's how the initial offers went down. Ben offered Monahan for Besser, but Dave wouldn't bite. Dave countered with Monaghan for Kako and Batherson, which was a big no from Ben. Dave started offering up Mantha pretty hard at this point and was afraid he was showing too much of his hand. But Mantha's two points in three games and his 38 points in 43 games the year prior were still working in his favor. Dave felt he had to act now, otherwise be stuck with him. Ben was initially apprehensive about Mantha because his minutes were down from last year, but he hadn't yet been moved off line one and we'd just spent an entire off season talking about how, if he could stay healthy, he was in line for a huge year. Dave liked Monaghan because the flame stack of Goudreau, Monaghan, and Giordano helped him win his Cuckupful title a few years back. And he is a center, which Dave was desperate for. Let's get down to the final negotiations. Dave figured he couldn't just include Mantha, so he tossed in Burakovsky and the most fab he could offer since Ben had $92 already and you can't go over a 100 He would have happily spent more if he could, Clearly his disappointment with Mantha and need for a center were strong. Ben tried to get Batherson instead of Burakovsky, but Dave said no, and the deal was done. How do they feel about their deal now that it's completed? Ben was super happy with the deal initially, but Mantha's stock could not have dropped any faster. He's trying to remain optimistic that we'll see him bounce back to prime deployment quickly because Ben refuses to cut bait on him. Dave feels that Mantha has had few points since the trade, while Monahan is a consistent power play goal guy. He thinks he's ultimately won the trade because of how badly he needed a center, but that Burakovsky's continued production lessens any pain for Ben. Ben realizes two-for-ones are really two-for-twos since you have to drop someone to accommodate. But he had roster space because one of his streamers had gone on IR, so Burakovsky was essentially a waiver wire transaction. He feels he's a really talented player, and though he's not convinced he stays on his roster all season, he's happy to take a chance on the short-term upside. Up next was a quick trade where Elon receives Raquel and Jeff receives Norris. The seeds of this were sown when Elon outbid Jeff for Norris on waivers about a week previous, $5 to $3. Jeff had expressed his disappointment in that in the Tier 1 chat on Discord, as he wanted someone on that top line in Ottawa, especially with exposure to Kachuk and Batherson, as well as being in the North Division, which has been higher scoring. Elon had five C-only players and desperately needed more roster flexibility. For initial offers, Elon looked through Jeff's roster to find a winger he could try to buy low on, saw Raquel, and liked his shot counts so sent the offer through Yahoo. Jeff had drafted Raquel because he liked owning a duck for their high number of games on off days. How would the final negotiations go? There weren't any. After listening to the Keeping Carlson podcast where Steve Laidlaw likened Raquel to a half-empty bottle of wine left in the fridge for three years, Jeff realized he wanted to do the deal. Within a few hours of the offer being sent, it was accepted. They literally never even talked directly to each other. Our final trade sees Jordan receiving Barry and Pionk, with Dave receiving Spurgeon, Tofoley, and $20 of Fab. The seeds were sown because Dave said Barry and Pionk were just driving him nuts. He was super upset with himself for assuming Barry would be locked in that power play role on a new team and stunned that Pionk, having been so successful the previous year on the power play, lost his role because he shoots right handed. So he posted on Discord that they were both on the trade block. Jordan was happy with the execution of his plan during the draft, but felt a little underwhelmed by the end and his last 2D. Seeing Dave's posting on Discord, Jordan offered up to Foley and Spurgeon and Yahoo as his initial offer, but noted he could also add in some fab. The potential inclusion of fab really piqued Dave's interest, and so the final negotiations involved him asking Jordan, How much? Jordan replied, Ten dollars, with a question mark, which Dave seemed to view as an opportunity to get more, especially since Jordan had so much fab available. Dave countered 20. Jordan tried to get it down to 15, but Dave held fast at 20, and the deal was done. In the final analysis, Jordan needed D, and that's why he did the deal. Jordan considered that he spent just $6 at the auction draft on Toffoli and Spurgeon, but was getting $44 worth back in Barry and Peonk, who he feels have tremendous upside. To him, if either Barry or Peonk reclaim their top power play spot, it is worth losing Toffoli regardless of his production. As he's an Oilers fan, he has zero confidence that Nurse can maintain a power play one spot, and in the last few days that seems to have proved correct. For Dave, he realizes you could argue he's on the wrong end of a buy low, sell high deal but the votes on Discord show a fairly even split on who people think won this deal, so we'll see how it plays out throughout the year. Now it's time for this week's kakupful.com website highlight. This week, we're going to quickly discuss the standings page. Here, you can see a pyramid of buttons representing all the divisions grouped into their tiers. Clicking on a division button will take you to the Yahoo page for that division where you can learn more about the matchup. Under the button for tier one Sweden, is the standings for that division, so you can easily keep track of who is on the path to ultimate fantasy glory. Below all of these buttons are details about previous Tier 1 champions, and a link to the Tier 1 Auction Draft YouTube video, in case you missed it and want to learn more about the participants. Finally, the bottom of this page contains a top 10 list of competitors for the Fast Track. At the end of the regular season, the fantasy team with the most points across the entire Kakupful will earn automatic promotion to Tier 1. Are you in the top 10? Check out the standings page on kakupful.com to learn more. Up next is our guest interview. Mark interviews Jeremy. Jeremy's in tier two of the kakupful. He's first overall in the fast track standings and a resident of Seattle, so they even talk a little bit about the Kraken. Over to you, Mark.
0: This week's guest on the Kakupful Stat Attack podcast and the very first guest of Season 2, Episode 1 is Jeremy Versillo. Jeremy, you're very welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me, Marcus. I'm excited to be on a show where I've heard all of the great names of Keeping Carlson come before me.
0: Yeah, great. Um, it's it's great to have you on this week as well. It's uh, particularly apt because your team, uh, Dak Dak Gusev in uh, Ottawa and Tier Two of the Cupful, are currently the number one ranked team in the Fast Track standings. So you have the most points of any of the 322 teams in the Cupful. That's uh, it's quite an achievement and quite a target on your back. Let's say, uh, let's let's not get into that just yet. I'll save some of that for later. Maybe um, before we go into anything, can you just give us a general introduction? Um, about yourself, where you're from, and maybe uh, the NHL team that you follow, if you have one?
2: Sure. I grew up outside of Washington, DC, and obviously supporting the Capitals. was very happy to finally get Ovechkin his Stanley Cup a few years ago. Nowadays, I'm living and working in Seattle, Washington, so I'm super excited about the Kraken also. Obviously, oh. the split loyalties will be a challenge.
0: Yeah, so you're going to have um, you're still obviously going to have that passion for the Capitals, but you're going to have a brand new team to support. Um, have you got a season ticket, or how is that working?
2: I actually did get season tickets. Uh, a group of friends and I got four seats and are kind of splitting them. I think I'll be able to go about half the home games every year. Uh, very fortunate to get season tickets. We had, I believe, there were thirty thousand people who wanted season tickets, and they probably only sold about twelve thousand. And on top of that, there's more than 50,000 on the wait list currently.
0: Wow. Okay. So there's definitely a, a buzz and an excitement around, um, around Seattle City.
2: Definitely is. A lot of Canadians move to Seattle for work, especially from British Columbia, a Vancouver area. So Seattle's the only place I have ever lived where adult hockey leagues are more popular than youth hockey leagues. <laughs> there's a massive adult hockey following here, which is really cool to be a hockey fan in the city.
0: Very good, very good. And I suppose there's probably an extra little bit of uh, of a buzz and maybe anticipation is the right word to use uh, after how well Vegas did in their first season um, and their first seasons, I suppose, um, in the NHL.
2: For sure. The uh, people see what Vegas did and expect us to copy that. I'm not sure we'll make it to the cup final in the first year, but the favorable expansion draft rules and the flat salary cap certainly are going to make some tough decisions for other teams that will benefit Seattle.
0: Okay. So I have a question for you here that I hadn't, uh, I sent you on a few questions before the show. I hadn't actually prepared this one, but it's just come into my head. So I'm going to throw it at you anyway. Um, I think I possibly know who your answer might be, but if you could pick one current NHL player to bring to Seattle as that uh, franchise's marquee player, let's say, who do you choose? Well,
2: as much as you'd want to go with youth and get one of the superstars, Obviously, I'd love to see Ovechkin close to home. (laughs) That's Uh, who I was thinking. (laughs) Yeah, he's my all-time favorite. Just so much fun to watch, so much... He has the passion for the game that sometimes players lose as they get into their 30s and hopefully 40s. But uh, yeah, he's just... Amazing interview, amazing personality.
0: Yeah, and he's not going to give up anytime soon because he has that uh, target of the goals record to keep going after. So I think we could get another few years out of a Yeah, yet.
2: I sure hope so. The goals record is a really interesting side story. I remember, I think when he hit 500 a couple years back was the first time it came up. And it was kind of, oh, it's a really cool idea, but he'd need to score like 40 goals a season for the next four or five years in his 30s. I don't think he can really do that all of a sudden he is doing it. So hopefully he sticks around and doesn't jump back to Russia because I know he's always wanted to finish his career back at Dynamo Moscow, I believe.
0: Yeah, well, maybe he could do what Jaromir Jager's doing and just keep playing until he's like 75 or whatever age Jager is now. Um, Jager actually scored the tying goal in a three-goal comeback yesterday for Kladno in the Czech Republic, the team that he, I think he owns or he part-owns, but he's on the same line as uh, Thomas Plakanic. Um, So I could definitely see Ovechkin doing something like that well into his mid-40s, if he wants to. I hope
2: so. Russian machine never
0: breaks. (laughs) That's it. Um, He's actually, he's the one player. Now, I'm a Penguins fan, and I'm a Crosby fanboy, but um, obviously I respect Ovechkin, and uh, secretly I love the guy, but... um, Ovechkin is the one player who I really feel sorry for in seasons like this, where we're losing games. And then when he was to lose four more games um, for the COVID breach in the last week or so, um, I just, he needs those games. He really needs those extra games. If he's going to catch that record and every game that he loses is just that little, it pushes that record just a little bit further out of sight. It does. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, how long have you been playing fantasy hockey? and uh, Do you play other fantasy sports as well, or are you solely hockey? So this is my 10th year of fantasy hockey. I play in 5 leagues
2: right now and that's probably about my my limit. I've slowly increased the past couple of years and I think 5 is a good number. I also play fantasy football and fantasy baseball, but unlike hockey where I'm a diehard hockey fan, fantasy football and baseball actually makes me more interested in those, those sports than I would be otherwise. Uh, I'm just a casual fan of Football and baseball, but when I have fantasy players, pay a bit more attention than I normally would. Yeah.
0: Okay. And so you've been 10 years um, on the go and you've got five leagues um, this season. Are they all redraft one year leagues or have you got any dynasties or um, keeper leagues? So I've got three, three one draft
2: leagues, one limited keeper, just keep seven for as long as I want, and one dynasty where it's 18 teams, keep everyone or close to everyone and only draft from the rookies and the drakes of the free agent wire
0: okay and how long is that league on the go the, that one's only in its
2: third year and i actually took over a team when i joined i got very lucky that the manager who quit had a couple good players but uh definitely more a rebuild than a contender right now
0: yeah okay so and then let's have a look at the cupful so you are as i mentioned earlier uh, your team name is dak dak gusev um I guess there's nothing more to the name than it's a pun. It's a double pun. And you are currently, as I mentioned, you're number one overall in the um, in the live standings. So right up until the start of today, uh, which is Sunday. And you are therefore obviously first in Ottawa as well, which is in tier two. So you're in, in two fronts. I suppose you're chasing promotion to the top tier. You're chasing the fast track and you're chasing the actual just number one promotion.
2: I am. uh, Chasing the promotion through fast track, I think, is a little bit easier in a sense. I I always trust my team to put up points when I have a good team, but in head-to-head, you can lose. Like you mentioned, I'm top of the fast track, but I'm in a nail-biter this week. I'm Mm -hmm. only up 16 points, but I, I think I have more players going today, so I should be okay. But you can always lose that key playoff matchup or a couple regular season matchups to hurt your seating while the points don't lie.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very true. So yeah, you are playing against the the second highest scoring team in the division, I think, or m- maybe not far off it, uh, second or third um, this week. Um, how long are you in the full? How many seasons have you completed?
2: This is my fifth season in the full and actually my second in a row in Ottawa Tier 2.
0: Okay, so you go right the way back to the Fantrax days, I guess.
2: Yep, definitely not the biggest fan of fan tracks, but I understand that Yahoo isn't much better
0: yeah i think there are pros and cons to both um i think for dynasty or you know salary leagues you're probably better off in fan tracks but for one-year leagues and for kind of um rookie or novice players i think yahoo definitely fits the bill that little bit better so i can completely understand why the cupful is based in yahoo for for new players are you more of a sports fan in general or are you kind of a stat head or a mix of both you know do you does this kind of Does fantasy sports tie in with your job or with your hobbies outside of it?
2: I'm kind of a mix of
0: both. I
2: grew up playing hockey, played since I was five, played a little bit of a club team in college and still play adult leagues today. So hockey is kind of my life in a lot of ways. But I'm also a software developer, so I can't help but be drawn to the statistical side of things and the analysis, the spreadsheets. I've learned a lot from people in the Discord about how to analyze players and what what sites to use is always a big question.
0: Very good. So um, yeah, I think we have a, a common interest there in terms of spreadsheets and the analytical side of things. Um, and just judging by the number of people who were kind of doing well last season or in the last couple of seasons, the amount of those guys who have the same passion for, say, Microsoft Excel or, or statistics, I definitely think it gives you that little bit of an edge. And um, particularly when you have when you when you can marry it up, let's say, with the the knowledge and the love of the sport. So I I think having one is fine. Having the other is fine but having two together really helps you to uh to improve your standing for sure um this season so far then so let's have a look at your team uh in Ottawa so you are uh, you were number 1 in the draft you you took the first overall and uh, you took Nathan McKinnon um having looked at how mcdavid is doing so far do you have any regrets over not going with mcdavid i have some slight regrets
2: definitely mcdavid has been the better player so far but McKinnon's also only shooting about five percent. So hopefully he can close that gap a bit. I think with the first overall pick, unless you do something totally crazy, you're not losing your league or winning your league with it. It's gonna be the it's gonna be a difference of five points a week tops yeah. long term.
0: Yeah, unless you get unfortunate and you lose, say, a for you know, your second week of the season. Um, but yeah, yeah, was
2: well, up for the whole season as some people did. I yeah, feel bad yeah. for those owners.
0: That was so unfortunate, just the timing. And the, the first season that the couple had gone with the slow draft approach and it really kind of, it couldn't have gone any worse in that sense. So yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying there about the, the top two or three guys. There's not going to be a whole lot of difference between them at the end of the season, assuming they all stay healthy. Um, even Dreisaitl, um, you know, not so much, Piggybacking off McDavid, he, he obviously has the talent himself as well, but uh, McKinnon, McDavid and Dreisaitl, um will always kind of gravitate towards the top of the uh, the standings. Um, so let's have a look then down through your draft. I, I'll just uh, I'll call out a few names um, for, for people listening who might not be familiar with your team. So you went uh, McKinnon, Stamkos, Marchand, uh, Dylan Larkin, Evander Kane. Uh, your first D-man then was Darnell Nurse, followed by Jeff Petrie. Jeff Petrie's been doing really well this season. Um, surprisingly surprisingly good yeah uh, he's always a I'm a huge
2: fan of his I take him almost every year just because of the hits and the blocks Yeah, he's good for multiple hits and blocks and multiple shots per game the points and the power play time is blowing my mind but I, <laughs> I'll take it
0: yeah, and the same goes for Darnell Nurse then, the, the previous, your first D-man pick so um, he's the same He I, I would pick him up in quite a few drafts where um, I'm valuing hits and blocks and he's uh, he's done very well for you as well this season. Going further down then, Brian Rust, Sean Monaghan uh, Kirill Kaprizov you took a bit of a chance on him I suppose that's paying off um, as your 10th pick?
2: Yeah uh, actually I believe at the time I took him I was the latest pick of him in the whole couple Okay. Um, he was he was going in the seventh and eighth rounds in a lot of leagues. Mm. So he was definitely one of those guys that I had my eye on, but didn't want to be the guy who reached for him. And so when it got to the end of the tenth, I'm happy to take him and the ice time's been there. So I'm happy with that.
0: Yeah, I took him in a different draft um where I also had Ovechkin as my first pick. And I had I think I had three left wing only's, and it's it's quite a rigid league. There aren't the utility spots. Um And I was kind of praying for Yahoo to give him that right wing eligibility because he was playing right wing the whole time and now he has it. So that's just an extra little string to his bow. Um, Moving down then, so Matt Dumba, uh, you took your first goaltender and your second goaltender as well uh, in the 12th and 13th rounds, uh, Grubauer and Hudobin. Um, Two solid, successful teams there and relatively safe choices in terms of uh, getting you starts. Um, Any any disappointment over picking either of those or are you happy with both i'm disappointed
2: in what kudobin did last night it was yes. like negative three and a half while demko's eight points were on my bench which oh, always hurts yeah uh honestly i went into this draft planning to do zero or one goalie i was assuming i'd pick up Mark or blackwood late and just run one goalie or zero if they both got picked early apparently my whole league had the same idea we had Four goalies go in the first eight rounds of the draft combined. And then I think almost the entire ninth round was goalies. That was where the run started. But a bunch more kept falling. Like 12th round, we had Carey Price, Jacob Markstrom, Miko Koskinen, and then I got Grubauer at the end of the 12th. So just kind of a weird draft all around where at least half the league was fading goalies hard.
0: Yeah, and it benefited you, I suppose, picking up those two guys relatively late on. And um, just looking at the last few picks of your draft, then I think four of the next five guys you've since dropped. I could be wrong on that. Um, Subban, Pugliarvi, uh, Cirelli, who you still have, uh, Rupe Hints, and Dominic Cahoon. So, just looking at Pugliarvi and Cahoon, are you kind of or were you trying to pick somebody who might end up on the McDavid or Drysaddle Wings?
2: Absolutely. I was basically playing the McDavid lottery uh, pick up two of the four right wings in Edmonton and see if either of them or both of them stick with the superstars and actually do something. I think they've both been fine this year but more streamer level for me. I'd rather stream them out on bad schedule weeks where I wouldn't fit them in my lineup.
0: Sorelli's been doing very well though. Sorelli's been kind of consistently picking up points wherever Tampa Bay actually have a game to play he is I'm hoping he gets
2: power play one
0: yeah fingers crossed for you there um what kind of a fantasy manager would you say you are are you quite quick to cut players when you see that they're underperforming or do you you have a bit more patience
2: I'm definitely a pretty quick to drop happy to stream type of player uh I absolutely hate benching starts Uh, I'd rather cut one of my bottom four guys who is only going to start twice for me in a week and stream someone in who is going to start four times in my lineup, even if on paper, they're a worse player. I'll take four games of three points per game over two games of four points per game.
0: Yeah. Uh, Okay. So you, you kind of, um, you highly value, um, streaming.
2: Yeah. Quantity over quality.
0: Absolutely. Um, any players that you've seen this season, maybe who you regret not drafting Oh, I've got a ton of these. <laughs> <laughs> McDavid,
2: number one. Uh, that, that, he was on the list. Uh, when he sent me this question before, I did a, a bit of research to see who fell in the draft that I just didn't get. First regret is dropping hints. It's okay. tough to see him go off after I dropped him because Dallas play, didn't play for the first week. Mm. Uh, kind kind of fits my strategy, though. Yeah, two it other it gives you another streaming spot. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. The two other guys that I... Wanted to draft but didn't. Were a uh, Yamamoto and Fiala, it's kind of like there. I saw there were really four breakout guys from last year: uh, Rust, Yamamoto, Bjorkstrand, and Fiala. Mm. And I definitely wanted a couple of those guys. I got Rust, but uh, Yamamoto and Fiala have both been really good this year, and definitely some uh disappointment that I don't have them in any of my leagues actually.
0: Yeah, particularly when you're taking two Edmonton wingers and you didn't get the one that really um, looked like he was worth owning in the end. For sure. Um, and are there any bullets that you think you might have dodged, maybe guys who you were considering drafting and didn't, and guys who, you know, have proved not to be worth owning?
2: I've got a I got three of them lined up, a forward, a defenseman, and a goalie. Okay. Yeah, forward was Timo Meyer. I yeah. had him ranked pretty high and He's been kind of disappointing this year. I'd like to think he can bounce back, but definitely would not be happy with him if I had drafted him where I had him right. Defenseman is Pionk. I had him as the sixth defenseman in our format, and clearly he hasn't done that. I don't think anybody could have predicted how that power play unit is looking
0: this year. Yeah, so Pionk went in the middle of round six. Um, So I guess probably... Just before you took your first D-man, so uh, you took Darnell Nurse just like five or six picks after him.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely would have taken Pionk if he had fallen to me there and missed out on one of Nurse or Patriot.
0: Yeah, so that's a bullet dodged for
2: sure. And who was the goalie? I wasn't going to take a goalie early anyway, but I had Shosturkin ranked quite high. Mm. Uh, he definitely he's definitely starting less than I projected. I I had both him and Samsonov projected projected as pretty solid volume starters. And obviously the COVID makes things difficult to tell, but I think Vanacek has been great for the Caps. So they may go 50-50 also.
0: Yeah, yeah. Once uh, Samsonov comes back, it, it it will, I assume, be a fifty-fifty split because Vanacek really has earned that, at least that. Um, and yeah, I get what you're saying about New York as well. Um, I think they've just been really disappointing in general. Um, maybe it was the buzz around Lafreniere and you know, this kind of team of uh, emerging superstars really. And um, Zabanejad for me, if I can just throw in my one uh, or my bullet dodge in the cup full anyway I did take him in, a, in another league but I think Sabanajad's just been really disappointing so far and um, a little bit unlucky with the shooting maybe but uh, I, I got him last year kind of down around the 80s or 90s in a couple of drafts and was absolutely over the moon with how he played and then yeah. this season he's he's probably more down around the 80s or 90s than where he was going in the first couple of rounds Um. At this stage, I just want to uh, give you a quick uh, a quick fire, either or, either or, let's say, um, an A or B. So a little bit of a, a quiz for you. I'm just going to fire two names at you, and I want you to, as quick as you can, just fire one back at me as the one that you would take. Um, so don't spend too much time thinking about it. Just off the top of your head, who do you choose, OK? Um, so for example, this isn't one now, but I could say Ehlers or Debrinket, and you could spend a second or two thinking about it and then fire one back. Okay. So let's go uh, number one Mitch Marner or Miko Rantanen? Marner. Okay, what's your thinking there? He's he's uh, He's got the line mates. I suppose Rantanen has the line mates as well.
2: I like Marner better as a create by yourself type of player. I know I, I get into it with uh, some Leafs fans I'm friends with because I, I really like Marner and he seems to be a, a bit of a whipping boy for their subreddit sometimes. <laughs> uh, R- Rantanen, Rantanen is also good. I think they play a very similar style. So that was a, a tough top of the head question.
0: Yeah. Okay. Next one. Um, Andre Kopitar or Bo Horvat? Horvat. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I find it hard to argue with that one. Um, Kopitar has been, they, they've actually, I, I took these guys from the Kukupful uh, points uh, standings. So they're pretty close to each other Mm. in the standings Um, but I think Horvat has probably exceeded expectations a little bit more and Kopitar possibly isn't quite as sustainable as what Horvat is doing at the moment I think that Canadian division in general is just uh, an open goal fest Um, I think most of the games seem to be shootouts like crazy crazy uh, high goal, goal tallies um, so I think I'd, if I could do things over again I'd probably draft a lot more forwards in that Canadian division um, and fewer goalies
2: <laughs> Agreed I I saw on Dauber yesterday I believe the Canadian division is averaging like three quarters of a goal per game more than
0: either of the other divisions Yeah well that, that doesn't surprise me it makes complete sense I don't know why difference. it is that way but <laughs> but it is um, Okay the next one Uh David Pasternak or Austin Matthews? Matthews. Really? Okay. Canadian division, mostly. (laughs) Yeah, true, I suppose. Um, And I suppose we haven't seen much of Pasternak so far this season either. So, um, Although Matthews hasn't really been kind of hitting the levels that we expect of him either. Uh, Okay, next one. uh, Two legends of the game. Sidney Crosby or Patrick Kane? Crosby.
2: Okay. Um, Maybe not. Fantasy, they may be closer, but I just you mentioned earlier you were a penguins fan who loves ovechkin i'm kind of the same way like after that rivalry cooled down through the the 2010s yeah crosby's just such a great player to watch and like a generational talents on the ice
0: yeah and continually evolving his game to uh to suit um okay and the last one that i have here and uh, this one's a little bit of a fun one so whereas the previous ones were more kind of um you know who would you rather in fantasy uh, the last one maybe a bit of a laugh around this one matthew kachuk or brady kachuk brady really okay <laughs> what 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 is your feeling on the kachuks in general do you love them or hate them
2: i think they're fantastic entertainment I would hate to play against players like that. I've played against players like that and can't stand them. But you want them on your team. You want them for the, the media coverage and for the antics. Yeah. But just don't want to play against them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit like WWE um, back in the day. You know, it's uh, you, you watch, you tune in knowing that there's going to be some sort of entertainment out of them, particularly. Have they man. played each other? Uh, Have they played uh, each other yet this year? Because that's going to be some good TV. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I could be wrong on that now. I haven't been following the Canadian division too closely. Um, generally, the time difference means that the the Western games are on at, at mad hours, So I get to see a lot <laughs> of the Eastern games, but I don't get to see too much of the Calgary or Vancouver Edmonton games. Um, well, yeah, that's, so that's good to know. So you, you prefer Brady over Matthew. Okay, I'll remember that one. At this point, I might just have a quick look at the Ottawa division. You're playing Titanium Cranium. Uh, this this week, uh, and you're yeah you're projected to win by maybe thirty points, but it is close. There's only twelve or so points in the difference, um, and that will put you two zero and zero at the top of the division. And then have you let Let's have a look actually at your strategy here. Have you started looking? Let's be honest. Have you started looking at next week yet, or yeah. are you focused purely on this week? So you've moved on to next week.
2: I've already uh, moved. A, I picked up a streamer tonight for next week. Uh, oh, I added John Marino for the start of next week because he plays monday oh. tuesday yeah. and also may be hurt so that could be a big opportunity
0: yeah that's good thinking i like that
2: um and i uh, dropped a goalie that i wasn't going to start as much as i'm sure denko will get picked up he played tuesday thursday or will play tuesday thursday saturday like all of my other goalies so so can't hold on
0: Yeah. So in general, do you start looking at, I know it depends on whether you're close in a matchup or you've maybe got a good lead, but would you start looking at the following weeks um, schedule and fixtures, maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday?
2: Usually I at least take a look like Tuesday was probably when I start looking just to see, okay, is, is there a team that plays Friday, Sunday, Monday? Because that's really useful to stream someone for the Friday-Sunday games and also get a freebie on Monday. Or maybe look at, there's a guy that I'm borderline on holding and he only plays twice the following week. That could be what pushes me over the edge to drop them versus someone else.
0: Yeah, it's good thinking. Um, I can see in your division there that Pierre Oliver Joseph has been picked up by Leonard McDavid so again the Pittsburgh schedule next week and maybe uh, Pierre Oliver Joseph picked up I think three assists last night for the Penguins Um, so there's definitely a little bit of hype about him Um, and you picked up Marino for $5 Um, so you've no problem, actually you beat Leonard McDavid to that that bid uh, with a $5 bid they offered zero. I wonder if
2: Joseph was his uh, backup to that
0: I would say so I would say so. Um, Vinny Trocek went for $12 today. Um, What's your your approach to... um, Actually, I'm just looking at the standings here. I was going to ask you what your approach is to spending fab, but uh, you're clearly not shy about spending fab. You spent $45 already.
2: Yeah, I'm on Team Blow Your Fab. (laughs) And different from some other people, I have no problem using my fab for streamers. I think getting the right streamer to fit your schedule and getting a second line guy versus a third line guy that fits your schedule is absolutely worth three to $5 once or twice a week.
0: Yeah. Very good. Um, I I guess, I'm probably not going to ask you too many more strategy questions around your team because I'm conscious that maybe some of your opponents uh, for the rest of the season might be listening to this and might garner some sort of an advantage through, uh, through listening. Um, So I think we'll leave it at that for the strategy talk and just to give you, you know, keep that air of mystique about you. One thing that I wanted to add in that I didn't kind of send on to you in advance. uh, I didn't want to bring it up uh, during uh, lockdown when we had no hockey to enjoy myself and Ryan McLaughlin created an NHL puzzle I'm sure you remember this
2: I do I remember spending a lot of hours on that because it was so much fun and so interesting looking through the history of the league
0: yeah, yeah, it was a really cool project to work on, and uh, Ryan kind of put me on to one that had been done for baseball before, so I wanted to just uh, replicate that for hockey, and um, it was good. We got a few kind of a few people interested, maybe not as many as we'd hoped, um, but Tom Crowhurst, who is the manager of Epic Neal Time in uh, D1 in uh, the Cacupol, uh, kindly volunteered to try and generate some interest, uh, some some prizes for that it's not entirely decided what the prizes will be. I'll discuss that with you elsewhere, but you did actually win. Um, you had the highest scoring team in that in that particular puzzle. So I just wanted to maybe publicly announce that to you. Uh, and obviously it's, it's a, a sign of your intellect and your ability to work a spreadsheet and combine it with uh, with a knowledge of hockey and fantasy sports to, to uh, create the ultimate fantasy hockey lineup. Oh, that's awesome.
2: I definitely remember uh, looking in the Facebook group multiple times to see it the results had been announced yet because it was a big project.
0: It kind of fell by the wayside. I think we put a lot of time and effort into it and maybe didn't get as much of a response as we'd hoped for. Um, And then we were hoping for more Uh, submissions and we didn't get them but we got I think we got about 12 or 15 12 to 15 in the end but yours was uh, a little bit out in front there were a few close at the top but uh, congratulations anyway I'll get in touch with you and Tom to sort out a prize I think we might get you like uh, an audio almanac for next season um, or perhaps the dobber projections or something like that some some sort of a small token gesture for for saying well done thank you that's it. Uh, that's it for, for the end of this week um, for the interview. So thanks very much, Jeremy, for coming on. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, your team have been flying at the top of the fast track standings and long may it continue. I'll keep an eye out for your team as the season goes on.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks to Mark and Jeremy for that insight. Before we get to the player and manager stats this week, a quick minute to shout out some of those that made this podcast possible. A big thanks goes to Kevin Bear for his hard work on the statistical views you'll find on cookupful.com. When he discovered that Power BI wasn't the best tool for the job, he literally went out and taught himself how to use Tableau instead. And that's why we have such fancy charts on the site. And it's his coding that's set up to automatically update the stats each day. He's certainly gone above and beyond. Also a shout out to jnsoftware.ca. JN Software is a software and soft skills training and consulting company. It was started 19 years ago by my wife Joy and since then has grown to have operations across Canada and North America. To highlight just one of its services, it offers public training classes. If you need software or soft skills training in your job, you can go to jnsoftware.ca and register online. Thanks to the pandemic, all classes are delivered online with a live instructor helping you learn what you need to know. Everything from Excel and Word to Illustrator and Photoshop to communication and writing skills. If you've ever taken generic training with any of the major global conglomerates, you'll appreciate the personal touch that we give each of our clients. If you enjoyed listening to the Stat Attack podcast today, I encourage you to check out jnsoftware.ca and see if there's anything we can help your organization with. Now back to the show. Now it's time to look deep into the stats, and we'll start with our player stats. First up is the Team of the Week. This is the best fantasy performers from the last seven days. In goal, Thatcher Demko, with 35 points, based off three wins, and only three goals against, and 100 saves. He feasted on two games against Ottawa. In fact, Thatcher Demko was not even rostered in two divisions in the Cupful. At defense, we have Kale McCarr, with 27.25 points, helped by a three-assist game against San Jose earlier in the week. And Darnell Nurse with 26.75 points, his temporary assignment on Power Play 1 supporting him as he got three points on the Power Play this week. At left wing, Leon Dreisaitl, 45 points, not a single hitter block, and only nine shots, but he got three goals and nine assists, including his six-assist explosion Sunday night against Ottawa. At right wing, Brandon Saad, 31 points, successful with goals and assists in two games against San Jose and two against Minnesota. Sadly, few Kakupful managers benefited, as he's only rostered in 60% of divisions. At center, it's no surprise, and also the player of the week himself, Connor McDavid, with 48 points, including 19.5 points against Ottawa Sunday night. Up next is Transaction Junction. Pia Suter was the big mover in the last week, being added 21 times, but also being dropped 15. His big hat-trick game clearly having an effect, but his limited performance since mean he appears on just 40% of Kukupful rosters. The player that's really stuck around is Chicago's wonder goalie Kevin Lankanen, added in all 23 divisions and dropped in just three. Make sure to check out Kukupful.com and the transactions page under the stat attack menu for more information. Now it's time for fab fans. In the last week, Jesse Pugliarvi saw some huge fab spends, including... $27 $27 from All or Nothing, and $33 from Primo Pasta. James Reimer's fab numbers were inflated by a $24 ad from High and Dreisaitl. Meanwhile, let us all commiserate with Iceburgers, as the $23 he spent on the now wave Tony D'Angelo seems like a move he might regret. And we're on to who's rostered and who's not stirred. The best performer so far this season, who's available in at least one division, is James Van Reemsdyke and is 59.75 Kukupful points. The 12th best player so far this year, and he's still available in one division. Also available in one division and near the top of the rankings is Brady Kachuk. It's not my division because I have him, but if you're in any other division, go check now because that guy needs to be picked up. Overall, 181 players are 100% rostered in the Kukupful. Notable underperformers include Seth Jones, Neil Pionk, Mike Hoffman, Kyle Palmieri, and Cam Atkinson. Players on just one Kakupfel roster, but who have scored over 30 Kakupfel points so far this season, include Austin Watson, Eric Goodbranson, Jakob Silverberg, and Nick Letty. All of this data and more can be found on Kakupful.com on the player stats page under Stat Attack on the menu. Let's move on to Manager's Corner, and first up, the Kakupful Fast Track Top 5. In first place, with 762.65 points so far this year, is Jeremy of Tier 2 Ottawa and his team, Doc Doc Gusev. Coming up close behind, just 10 points back, is Rob from Tier 5, Linus, and Robert's Neat Team. They've separated themselves a bit from the pack, as Mike from Tier 5 Melker and the Potomac Dredgers, Jake from Tier 6 Betten and Vader and Nett, and Joel from Tier 3 Binghamton and Joel's team are all over 40 points behind. This week's Cuckupful Performer of the Week is our second place fast track manager, Robert of Robert's Neat Team of Tier 5 Linus. He had 311.2 points this week. This shot him up into second in the fast-track standings on the backs of McDavid, Marner, Marchand, Klingberg. Kadri had 26.5 points this week, but his real stars were his goalies. He received 55.2 points from his goalies, Saros, Binnington, and a whopping 28.3 points just from Kevin Lankinen of Chicago, who was the second best goalie in the Kakupful last week. Since there wasn't a Stat Attack podcast for week one, a quick shout out to Shazam Boney of Tier Six, Krister, who accumulated a whopping 495 points in week one, with hot hands like John Tavares, Jeff Petrie, and week one superstars Tyler Toffoli and Bo Horvat. For this week's Statistically Unlikely, let's talk about Corey and his team Win 1 for the Kipper from Tier 4 Jokerit. Corey's team, led by workhorses Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Darnell Nurse, Elias Lindholm, and breakout goalie Vitek Vanacek, have accumulated 651.95 points so far, good for 62nd out of all 320 teams in the kakupful. But, due to the performance of the teams he's matched up against so far, he finds himself down early at 0-2. You've done great, Corey. We're so sorry things have turned out so statistically unlikely for you so far. For the highlighted Kukupful matchup of the week, we're going back to Week 1 and Tier 5's Melker division. OPG Premier facing off against Michael Zeichels. This matchup was decided by the absolute smallest margin possible, just 0.05 Kukupful points. OPG Premier's team includes Panarin, Riley, Grubauer, but was hamstrung by Dubois' slow start and eventual trade. Michael's Eichels has Eichel, of course, and Patrice Bergeron, as well as Anderson and Price in goal, but he suffered from lost games with Svechnikov. Opici Premier came into the final Sunday down over 15 points. He got good support from Morgan Riley with 11.5 points and 8.25 points from Heronik. But the difference maker? The Ducks got just 14 shots on Grubauer, of which he let in two goals in the loss. This translated to 0.2 Kukupful points, giving OPG Premier the win 392 to 391.95. Had the Ducks taken just one less shot that day, Michael Eichels would have pulled out the win. This week's mover and shaker is Abundance of Pasta in Tier 3 Boris. He's made 19 moves so far this season, four more than the next person. He drafted Pasternak, Sagan, and Taves, so he had lots of streamer spots and holes to fill, and he's only got $49 of fab left. But that's nothing compared to our big spender, Hilton Swag Team from Tier 6 Bossy, with just twelve dollars left after ten moves. Sixteen dollars on Drake Batherson, fifteen on Morazic, twelve on Kairu, eleven each on Rasmus Anderson, Garland, Kubalik, and Puli Arvi. Keep on spending, Hilton Swag team. And that's it for this week's episode. Make sure to check out Kakupful.com for more stats on players and teams. We'll be back next Monday to review the goings-on around the league. In the meantime, you can reach out to us on Discord, and we'll see you in Week 3.